As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Yo, I'm comfortable talking to Mark Alford. He don't make me feel like I gotta kneel at a dark altar. His colleagues are cool, things are jolly and smooth. Anything else, it'll be part stupid and part awkward. Do your homework before you Well, thank you for getting day. comfortable with Mark Alford, Barry. Uh, we <laughs> sh- this is kind of a repeat because we shot one at uh, a hotel here, Intercontinental, in the lobby, and my audio crapped out back in February, so I didn't... I'm sorry. We had a good conversation, though. Well, I was glad you... Yeah. St- and my son was there for that one. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad you said where we, where we had it. It sounded a little... Uh, Suspicious. It was in the lobby. It was in a hotel. <laughs> it was, Out on I-29. <laughs> no, it was in the lobby of a hotel. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Yes, yes. Sound a little... <laughs> Not there's anything wrong with that, but we're both happily married. Yes, indeed. Uh, you have a very lovely wife, Thank by you. the way. Thank you. Uh, are you guys going down to the Plaza Art Fair tonight? Oh, yes. Well, probably going to do tomorrow. Yeah, uh, tomorrow's going to be As nice. I get older, Friday nights get crazier, yeah. so I'm going to go down tomorrow and actually look at the art as opposed to... You know, my son is down there. Yes, that's so, very cool. Mark yes. Allen Studios, so look yes, for his... we will. And buy some of his artwork. Thank you, Barry. Um, anyway, uh, Barry is the former U.S. attorney, and I didn't know this till I asked you, but there's only one district, and it is Kansas, yes. right? So it's not divided up. Right. There's uh, Here in Missouri, uh, we have two federal districts. That's mm-hmm. really where a U.S. attorney is needed to represent the interests of the United States of America is in each federal district. Missouri has Eastern District, Western District. For St. Louis and yeah. Kansas City, basically. And uh, most uh, Western, or not far Western, but Central Western uh, states like mm-hmm. uh, the Dakotas, uh, Colorado, Montana, Utah, Nevada, Arizona, they have a single federal district, a single U.S. Gotcha. attorney. So, yeah, just how long just were you a uh, uh, district, not district attorney, federal attorney? For yeah, the U.S. Attorney. U.S. attorney. I had the great privilege of holding that position for six years during the Obama administration. It was just the most uh, fascinating and professionally rewarding what, experience. What did you do before that? Before that, I was a trial lawyer. I represented uh, individuals primarily in employment discrimination cases. Um, very satisfying. Uh, but there is no experience as rewarding, at least from my perspective, and I think most people who have served in the capacity of U.S. attorney uh, than being U.S. attorney. Mm-hmm. Often you uh, hear folks who even go on to be judges and go on to be other uh, positions in the political world. They'll all say, ah, best job I ever had was being mm-hmm. U.S. attorney. Really? Yeah. What was the biggest, most notable case that you prosecuted or I, your team prosecuted? Yeah, the, the team is definitely mm-hmm. always a team effort, that's for sure. Uh, probably the biggest one, and the one that got the most recognition, and I think rightfully so, there was a guy named Terry, uh, uh, who was uh, an avionics technician in Wichita. And he, for some reason, and this is what's always scary to law enforcement, for some reason he became radicalized in his basement watching jihad 
YouTube videos. That's scary. It's very and scary. A, and an expert in avionics. Yes. So you combine those. You combine those, and you throw these extra things in and kind of ask you, uh, what is it law enforcement could pick up on? He's married. He's 50 years old. He has no criminal record whatsoever. Uh, and one day he wants to be a jihadist and kill as many Americans as he possibly can. And uh, he wanted to drive a truckload of explosives into uh, Wichita Midcontinent Airport, Eisenhower Airport, so wow. it, and set it off at the height of the travel season in December for Christmas travel. Because uh, Midcontinent Airport is a feeder airport. It feeds to Dallas. It feeds to Denver. It feeds to KCI. So it's usually packed 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. And this gentleman wanted to drive a truckload of explosives in. It's kind of a horseshoe-shaped and his goal was to kill or maim 500. And TSA mm. tells us we, uh, that that was incredibly low. It would have been 12 to 1,500. And we were able to stop him. And, uh, and, and again, as you mentioned about a team, that was a team effort. Uh, mm. we, uh, we had local folks involved in that. We had, uh, obviously, the FBI involved in that. We had national security people involved in that. Uh, and it really, you know, luckily we got a break and we caught mm. him before he could do something wow. really crazy. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I take a lot of pride in being part of that team. That How many did, lives possibly did oh, you guys many, save? Uh, probably as uh, many as twelve to 1,500. Uh. Yeah, because the, the configuration of the airport, it's all glass windows. And if he had set up this off in the configuration where the jets were placed, those glass windows would have turned into Shrapnel. a shotgun blast. Yeah. And uh, Jeez. so it, it, it was it was uh, uh, a circumstance that luckily we were able to uh. stop and avoid. So you're still in contact with people in the federal government now. And uh, uh, one of your good friends is Rod Rosenstein, the assistant. Right. Uh, good guy. Uh, good, good guy. Uh, yeah. Attorney general. Uh, yeah, he, he's been in the news a lot. Mm-hmm. He's a, he, uh, Rod is 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 the consummate professional. He was appointed to be the U.S. attorney in Maryland by President Bush. He was asked to stay on by uh, President Obama, and he's, he's, I had the pleasure of serving with him. He was very involved in uh, a, a subcommittee working group dealing with uh, violent crime, gangs, and those kinds of things. Um, I had lots of time to spend with him as in a professional capacity and also as a personal capacity. Mm. And we talked like anybody about sports and family and those things. How is he handling he, what's going on now? Because... Whether you agree with President Trump or not, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, President Trump does not like, can't really stomach the mm-hmm. current attorney general, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, really doesn't, I don't think, care for Rod Rosenstein. Mm-hmm. And so you're in a position where you're working for the commander in chief, the most powerful person in the world who doesn't like you and wants you gone but can't fire you because there's political retribution. Yeah. Well, as I was just getting ready to say, of all those conversations over here, Rod, right, we never talk politics. He was, and I believe still is, the consummate professional. Um, your reference to the president's disliking uh, folks at the Department of Justice, well, that's just too bad. They're not his lawyers. They're your lawyer and my lawyer. They represent the interests of the United States But he States appoints them. He appoints them, and the last time a president tried to move, remove someone because they didn't like them, that was Archibald Cox, and mm-hmm. that president was Richard that. Nixon. Yeah. And uh, just because you know, there's a real – I think even if someone takes off their partisan hat and steps back and looks at 
the president's comments, the president's behavior, the president's statements, from an objective standpoint, it is obvious, I believe, that he may understand real estate. He doesn't understand basic American civics. He but, does not understand the separation of powers. He does not understand that the Attorney General of the United States is not your lawyer. The other day when he said, I don't have an Attorney General. Yes, right. he does. He does have an Attorney General. That person does not work for him. And I think that... But is that what his base likes, though? Whether we, whether you agree with or I agree with his perception of it, is that... If you can mm-hmm. separate yourself mm-hmm. from that, mm-hmm. is, do you think that's what his base... Like, yeah, I can, he's one of us. Well, his base may like that, mm-hmm. but that's not what the rule of law is. I mean, you know, you, you're, you're, your base may like any number of things, but is that consistent with what the traditional relationship has been by the chief executive and the attorney general, and more importantly, the Department of Justice, Mm. FBI, the national security apparatus. I mean, he seems to believe at some level someone in those various entities are against Mm. him. I don't think, at least in my lifetime, and I've done a little studying of history, uh, other than Nixon, I, I haven't seen that manifestation of just this fear, this paranoia. Andrew Jackson? Well, he didn't. He, uh, well, he didn't have the security apparatus. Uh, yeah. He, he, he uh, Andrew Jackson, certainly, as we all remember, when uh, uh, when uh, Justice Marshall recognized the the sovereign nation of the Indian tribes, right. had the famous statement. Well, he's he's made his uh, his order now. Let him enforce it. Mm-hmm. Well, that obviously I don't think is a, is a grand moment in American history. But what we're seeing now, I think we have never seen play out before in modern politics. Certainly, never. I mean, we've never seen someone who disparages the men and women. Uh, and, and, and again, I'm speaking from my experience as right. a former U.S. attorney. People at the FBI are professionals. They're pros. People in the national security apparatus, they're pros. So you don't think there's a deep state of people oh, no. who did not want him in office and would do anything they could? What about um, Strzok and Page, the two people who were involved in the FBI, who were lovers, uh, who had the text exchanges to seemingly mm-hmm. uh, put a barrier between the president and his efficient operation of government in in their estimation? Well, when you when you work for the government, it doesn't mean you have to be that. That doesn't mean you are apolitical in all things. There are Republicans who work for the government. There are Democrats who work for government. I was a Democrat. I certainly have my Democratic leanings, but I'd like to think that now when I was performing my duties as the United States attorney, you couldn't have told whether I was Republican or Democrat. It was apolitical. Absolutely. So if I wanted to uh, have a conversation with my spouse Mm -hmm. uh, and I wanted to text something about what my particular political beliefs are, I don't think in my professional capacity that should be used against me. Now, I mean, if that were the case, now that we live in this day and age of texting and being able to retrieve emails and those kinds of things, going forward, I mean, we're, not, we're never going to have a Department of Justice that is void of Republicans, void of Democrats. There are always going to be citizens there who right. have their own personal belief. And I think that if, if it, at our own convenience, we find folks who are on the other side and retrieve information to somehow say, aha, they're against me. Well, that's just not the case. Uh, everybody's entitled to their opinion. And I think most of those texts, if, as I understand it, were outside the context. I mean, they were both political people, I mean, uh, law enforcement folks, 
but it was outside the context of doing an investigation. I'm, you know, uh, it's well, it's, the ones most yeah. recently revealed are about the leaks and this somewhat seems like conspiracy to leak information. Now, whether it was actually them actively leaking information out of the Justice mm-hmm. Department or the CIA, they mentioned their sister organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's still a lot of unknown answers, right? Sure. And, and it just doesn't look good, though. You got to admit oh, that. Oh, it's absolutely. Not- oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, there was some fear just re- this past week that the president wanted to declassify a bunch of uh, cherry picked information to release it before the election to somehow. For the FISA warrant. Right. Cooler heads have prevailed. Mm-hmm. As of today, they're rethinking it. They're looking at it. Basically, what happened is, I'm sure, our allies, who we have relationships with that we must maintain to make, to make sure America is kept secure, they just said, you cannot release this unredacted stuff. You know, methods and, and, and means of that and, and putting people at peril just for political purposes, no, we mm. can't allow that. And I'm, I'm Doesn't the, does, I shouldn't say doesn't. That's a leading question. Do you feel that the truth, though, needs to come out about all this? That oh, the American people need to know what was going on. How much was Russia interfering with our election? Did Hillary Clinton's camp have any mm-hmm. um, culpability in uh, attaining information from foreign services, Great Britain, which is an ally, but still mm-hmm. it's a foreign mm-hmm. source? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think the people just want to know the truth. I, we can handle the truth. Mm-hmm. Let's get it out there. Well, let's make sure the president understands that. Yeah. Because Mr. Mueller is going to give us the truth. You think so? Robert Mueller is, when you talk about a prosecutor's prosecutor, when you talk about someone who did two combat tours uh, in Vietnam, you talk about someone who was a, a United States attorney. And when he left that a position, he asked to go back as an assistant United States attorney mm. in the District of Columbia and just try murder cases before he became the director of the FBI under a Republican president. No. So this with, is not a witch hunt? Far from it. Uh, Ask the people who've pled guilty if it's a witch hunt. Hmm. Uh, you know, ask any. How's it going to end up? Impeachment, indictment. Well, uh, or that's, nothing, that's, no that's, bill. That, well, there's um, there is a. Uh, I'm talking for the president, of course. Yeah, there's of other course, people the president. In. Yeah, that you know, there is there is a Department of Justice memo that uh, came about, I believe, either during Nixon's time or maybe during President Clinton's impeachment stuff. That basically a, a setting president could not be indicted. So I I don't see that happening. I think Dershowitz says that's going to be upheld. Most constitutional scholars feel that you cannot indict a sitting president. That doesn't mean, though, if he loses the next go around, once he's out of office, he can't be indicted. Uh, January 21st could be a bad day. Are you counting the days? (laughs) (laughs) The new president, if there is a new one, will be sworn in at Mm. noon on January 20th. So we'll uh, we'll have to see what uh, holds for the president after the 21st. Are you going to run? Oh, no, 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 no. No, Just so no, I get no, it on the record. No, 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 no. no. I, I think, yes. <laughs> Baby that, steps. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, all right. So I'm going to take a left turn here. All right. Because you are a proponent of legalizing marijuana. Correct. Why? Correct. Uh, I believe that our laws should reflect public policy that is good for us as a community and as a country. Uh, I do not believe cannabis prohibition, that putting marijuana as being a Schedule I drug right there with heroin uh, is good public policy. Uh, And I think most people believe that. uh, The Gallup poll in 1970 when uh, marijuana was put on uh, the Schedule uh, I drug listing with heroin, uh, 12% of the people thought marijuana should be legalized. 
uh, today, 61% of the people mm. believe that. What's changed that, you and, think? Well, I, I, th- I, think it's, I, uh, I think it's just an acceptance that this isn't a harmful drug in the sense that it's any more harmful than cigarettes that kill 450,000 people a year, according to the Center for Disease Control, uh, alcohol, uh, that uh, tens of thousands of people die from alcohol-related incidents, but we have no marijuana-related deaths. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the classic line or the classic comeback always is, but it's a gateway, gateway drug. Gateway drug, yeah. And the evidence is that's not the case. I remember speaking to a friend of mine, uh, a, a dear guy who's a, a police a chief of police, and he said, well, every drug uh, person I've ever arrested who has a drug problem started with marijuana. And I said, well, Every alcoholic probably started with a beer, but that doesn't mean if you're a responsible adult who likes to drink beer that Mm -hmm. you should run the risk of going to prison because you possess it or you use it. Uh, I just believe that from a public policy standpoint, and I I shouldn't have to say this, but I always do, I don't use cannabis in any size, shape, or form. But I also don't drink scotch, and I don't drink Mm -hmm. bourbon. That's because I'm an adult, and I can make those decisions about what I want to do in my own home, if I'm not harming anyone mm-hmm. else, I shouldn't run the risk of losing my liberty or having my property seized if I choose to use cannabis in some capacity. Uh, the reality is it, my position, I believe, is very pro, as I am, pro-law enforcement. How's that? The money that we spend, and, and I take this again from my experience as being the U.S. attorney, we, all, we always, we always tend, to, tend to think that there's just pots and pots of money out there. Well, when I was a U.S. attorney, uh, the good folks in this country through Congress said, we're going to give you $8.5 million, and that's it. A year to run your to, district. To, to run three mm-hmm. offices, to pay uh, 48 uh, lawyers and 56 support staff. So you have to make decisions. In pri- what are your priorities, Mr. U.S. attorney? Where are you going to use your money? Are you going to go after sexual exploitation of children on the Internet, issues related to human trafficking, uh, violent uh, gangs, is that where you're going to put your money? Or are you going to put your money in going after people who are involved in the cannabis business? Well, that, I believe, is a waste of the taxpayers' money. I believe it's a waste of police resources, investigation, interdiction, arrest, uh, conviction, prosecution, and incarceration of someone. I, I just think that's not good public policy. So if policy. there's a drug runner coming up from Mexico carrying a truckload, an 18-wheeler full of uh, Cannabis, Mm -hmm. they shouldn't be prosecuted? Well, I'm saying, uh, well, under the laws right now, yes. But what I'm saying is, if it's regulated, nobody's driving up from Mexico. You're going down to the local place where you'd go to get your uh, bottle of wine or Mm -hmm. a a fifth of gin. A dispensary, basically. A dispensary, yes. Have you been out to one in Colorado? I have. And it's like going into Tibbles. Yeah. It's uh, very nice. It's... uh, they ask you for your ID. Uh, uh, my wife and I wanted to go in, and you were, like, we're like two kids outside, like us, you know, like it's. Which town did you go in? Oh, it was in Aspen. Now, we went in the one there in Aspen. Go. Yeah, I didn't and, buy anything. My son bought some edibles. But, I, I, you know, oh yeah, we. You know, they we, give you an education. It's like I didn't know all this. Absolutely, and you know, you, you show your ID yeah. before you go in. I'm, I'm always flattered. Someone thinks I'm not 21, <laughs> and uh, then when you get inside, they sit me. I see your ID again. Mm-hmm. And they ask you specific questions. Uh, it's just not a bunch. I mean, it's it it. It's totally different than it's I thought. Totally it was different. Be. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's it's very much a business. Now, I would say that it's uh, driving when we were on our motorcycle going through Colorado for mm-hmm. a week. So 
it would be funny kind of the wafting of the aroma of cannabis mm-hmm. would hit your nostrils ever mm-hmm. so often when you were mm-hmm. out walking or, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. Well, you know, I, one, kind of one of my mm-hmm. fun facts that I like is that uh, the, the Colorado Department of Revenue tells us that in 2017, total cannabis sales in Colorado was $1.5 billion. Now, what that tells me as a former prosecutor is that $1.5 billion didn't go to bad guys. $1.5 billion didn't go to drug gangs. Didn't go, didn't go to people who would harm our community. It went to entrepreneurs who created over 20,000 new full-time jobs that paid a living wage, and the state of Colorado got a, an additional revenue source. That, to me, is a win-win across the board. Uh, the interesting thing, I think, about what's going on in the cannabis world is that in states where it has been, we'll call it legalized, mm-hmm. it's been done through referenda. Only in the state of Vermont did the state legislature pass and the governor sign a bill that legalized adult use. Even there, in that instance, it did not uh, talk about the regulatory scheme. Just this week in the Northern Marianas uh, Islands out in the Pacific, uh, their legislature and their governor passed an entire regulatory mm. scheme and use. Uh, so more than half the people in our country now live in jurisdictions that provide for some level of legalization. Except federal law supersedes state law. It does, and that's a, and that's a real issue. Uh, during the Obama administration, uh, Jim Cole, who uh, had Rod's job, the, he was Deputy Attorney General of the United States, he crafted what was known as the Cole Memo. And what the Cole Memo said, because uh, we were seeing uh, states like Colorado, mm-hmm. it was going to pass. So is the federal government really going to go to a state that says, this is what we want? We think this is good public policy. Are we going to go in, we could have, and said, you know what? You're wrong. We're going to take that right away from you. Well, one, as a constitutional, I won't say scholar, but someone who knows a little bit about the Constitution, that's a classic Tenth Amendment case. Right. That should be a state's rights issue. I mean, that should be using the Tenth Amendment other than trying to take someone's right to vote away, now being able to say to them, if that's what you think is good public policy, Colorado, you should be able to do it. Well, what Jim Cole's memo said, in so many words, it, it treated, if you were a state, you had to have a regulatory scheme in place that did everything that if you want to get a liquor license, you can't sell the minors. It's got to be very regulated. You can't sell the minors. The person applying for the license can't be, have a criminal background. You can't be involved in a criminal enterprise. Uh, all the kinds of things you would see if today you went out to try and get a liquor license in any state. And if you did those things under Cole's memo, the federal government would say, we will not come in and preempt. If it's just Katie bar the door, everybody does whatever they want to do, then yes, the federal government would come in. Um, since that time, uh, as we said earlier, we have a new attorney general. Uh, Mr. Sessions uh, d- does not like cannabis issues. Uh, he, he was famously has said that, you know, good people don't smoke marijuana. And, of course, he's probably never mm-hmm. had a conversation with someone who's returned from. And met Willie Nelson. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, you know, what I always point to is, well, talk to the person who's come back from two or three tours mm. and suffers from post-traumatic stress syndrome uh, who doesn't want to take psychotropic drugs. Why not give that person an option to do that mm. without losing their VA benefits? Because that's what happens if you get arrested. You lose mm. your veterans' benefits. I, I think that's just it's just. So just how far out policy. are we? Do you think uh, you think eventually it's going to happen? Yep. The feds will release as a schedule one. Right now, there are over forty bills on the hill pending. 
uh, concerning issues of marijuana. There is one pending that is called, uh, it's, I can't remember what the acronym stands for, but it's called the States Act. And basically what it says, and it's, it's, it, and it's, it's something that has people in the Senate from both sides of the aisle. Mm-hmm. Cory Gardner is, uh, is a sponsor. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is a sponsor. And basically says and, and kind of adopts almost a cold that if you do those things, then we'll remove it from being a Schedule One drug. There are other acts out there. Cory Booker has uh, some legislation pending that basically just says remove it. Uh, if you've been convicted of it and it's not in part and parcel of a, a violent crime effort, you can have it removed from your record mm. right away, have it expunged. Uh, so I, and, well, as we all maybe don't all know, but right here in the state of Missouri, it's going to be on the ballot. It is yeah. going to be on medical marijuana is on, on the, the ballot, ballot in November, and it's polling at about seventy percent. And I have law enforcement friends who are very much in favor of that. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Mm. I th- I think if people sit down, take a deep breath, and what I always like to say, if if, if we approach this from a data driven standpoint, more than emotional, yeah, and, and you know, well, I remember you know, Cheech and Chong and right, living right. in the, uh, kind of a bong world, but if we think about it as uh, as adults. And we, and we really look at what the data is. I, I think we will come to a point to say, yes, this isn't mm. good public policy and change. I mean, something as innovative as uh, there's a company out of, Col- out of Colorado, you're talk- smelling it. A lot of people don't like to smoke it. A lot of people don't like to eat edibles. It's literally THC patch. Like a niche. niche. Exactly. Huh. Uh, so you can have that same fork kind of feeling without having to engage in the kind of mm. company you might otherwise find. Maybe, maybe you don't want to do it in your home. You don't want you to have your home and smell a certain right. way. You don't want to have edibles around because that would possibly be kids an irresponsible yeah. adult. Yes, and so your kids get into it. So there's lots of things going on in that universe. It is a, you know, now that Colorado, now that California has uh, come on board with full recreational use, California is the sixth largest economy in the world. I mean, it's going to be a multi-multi-billion dollar business. Col- Cal- excuse me. Canada, as a country, now has full recreational use. So it's coming. Mm. Uh, I mean, who would have thought uh, the state of uh, Oklahoma would have adopted yeah. recreational use? And they had, right. again, through referenda, they did that. So it happened uh, last, thing, last June. They, they voted it in. So it's just a matter of time. Mm. And I think if we, you know, someone said to me, well, it's never going to happen in Kansas. And I said, well, I'm showing my age, but I remember we used not to have liquor by the drink in Kansas. Right. I remember we didn't have gambling in Kansas, but when we started to see that we could regulate those things and have a revenue source, that changed right. minds. And, and I, I think it's just a matter, matter of time in Kansas as well. What's on your schedule? You're going to be on the MSNBC tonight, yes. Chris Matthews' yep. show. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of the warm-up for him. <laughs> well, you have to yell at me and ask me. What do you think about that? Ask me, ask me a question and answer at the same yeah. time. Uh, do you feel like I do? <laughs> well, no, I had uh, several of my friends, uh, uh, Joyce Fance, who's often on there. She's a former mm-hmm. U.S. attorney from Alabama, and Barb McQuaid, uh, who teaches at uh, Michigan Law now. She was US, one of the U.S. attorneys up in uh, Michigan. Uh, at a, a meeting about a year ago, and they were there. They, they said, would you have any interest in you know, kind of putting your name on the list? So I said, sure. So uh, every so often now I'll get a call, and uh, they'll ask me if I have anything to mm. add. And uh, actually today, uh, or they called me the other day, and they called earlier this morning and said, well, this is going to be like all Kavanaugh. Right. This evening. Well, that's so, the hot topic. Yeah. So we, so we don't we don't need any legal. We've been yeah, dipped yeah, into yeah. that, but yeah, that's so, a whole other show. So so I said okay. So I called my wife. Said okay, we can stand down. I'm not going to be there at night. About 30 minutes later, after the New York Times announced that Rod had uh, 
uh, made these, allegedly made these statements. Basically, Rod Rosenstein suggested, whether in jest or with some friends, but he was quoted as saying that he would be in favor of invoking the 25th Amendment, which would remove, the cabinet would uh, move to remove the President of the United States from office due to mental incapacitation or some incapacitation. Right, right. Exactly. And Rod Rosenstein has suggested this, and you're commenting on that, right? Right, yeah. And they, uh, and they ask, one of the things obviously they want to know is, well, you know, do you know him? And I Yes, I've, mm-hmm. I've worked with him for six years and, and think extreme. I think I think a great deal about of him. Uh, and uh, do you think he, the president should be removed through the twenty fifth? I don't. I don't. I. I don't I, think our country could take it. Well, I, and and I, I I think we're in such perilous times, right? Quite yeah. frankly, I, I mean, I fear for if you take a giant step back, I fear for our democracy. I fear that we are now. Take that back. I. I fear the president is weakening the institutions of government for his own well-being. When you attack the Department of Justice, when you attack judges, when you attack media, uh, the, the, the nat- you attack media, the enemy of the people. I mean, uh, it's almost Orwellian. And uh, if his, so you're not going to be at the rally in Springfield tonight, then <laughs> I will not I'm be there. I will not be at the rally. <laughs> no, it's just it's just, it's just it's very it's very bothersome. Mm-hmm. That what I think most of us would have thought, even if the other guy wins the election, uh, it's going to be okay, you know. Uh, I, but I don't have that same feeling, Neil. I mean, I, 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 I don't know how we're going to get back to the level of trust that may have existed as mm-hmm. to the media, as an example. I mean, once you kind of cross that threshold in this day and age of a 24-hour news cycle, uh, I just, I just don't know how mm. we get back, and that, that's what's really concerning to me. Are you going to run for a higher office and maybe make a change that way? Well, you know, it's some, I've been very flattered. A number of people have reached out to me um, uh, to, to run for different offices since I've left the U.S. Attorney's Office. Um, my wife and I are talking about that, but, is it, but uh, kind of for the reason we kind of talked about here today, it's, it's, it's a big step. It's a huge step. Because you open yourself, again, going to Mr. Kavanaugh's situation, to uh, opening up your past. Um, I, I don't think I would have the same kind of concerns he has at the moment. But nevertheless, I mean, you, you put yourself out there and people no longer debate you for your You're policy right. issues. Now it's a, a uh, just a, a, a meat grinder. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, it's so before we decide to uh, say yay or nay, we're giving lots of thought, yeah. certainly. But we want to make sure when we make our decision, it's the right decision for us and our family. Well, Barry, thank you so much. Good to know you. Good to have you as a friend. Good Appreciate here. you being here in Kansas City. You bet, man. Getting Good. comfortable with Mark Alford. All right. All right. Thanks. Yo, I'm comfortable talking to Mark Alford. He don't make me feel like I gotta kneel at a dark altar. His colleagues are cool, things are jolly and smooth. Anything else, it'll be part stupid and part awkward. Do your homework before you talk to a vet. That way you won't get no static camera from tech. I'm on my own planet. I'm in my zone, damn it.